Hello, you see, you didn't get rid of me that easily. I've made this talk mainly with a video and if you want to and can uh, view the video version, then go onto the church website, stjamesalberton.org.uk and click the YouTube link on the left-hand side of the page. But I'm sure you are able to uh, listen and get something out of the talk, even without the video, that your imagination will fill in any blanks that there might be. And so I hope uh, you enjoy it. This week we're continuing with our uh, look at 1 Peter, but I'm going to start with a parable. Perhaps even you might call it a doggerel. I want you to imagine you're a dog. Well, okay, if that's offensive, think about a dog. A dog that is in a dog's home. And in fact, a dog that is not only in a dog's home, but uh, it's likely to be destroyed because no one's come forward to, to want this dog. And it's there in many ways behind bars. That's its life and it has no future. Now, it probably doesn't understand that particularly, except it's not really enjoying life. But then one day, someone comes along and there is something about this person which which is winsome, which is attractive, which the dog responds to because this person feels good. And this person takes an interest in the dog. And the person says all sorts of things. Of course, the dog cannot understand a single word a human being says, but picks up the vibes that this is positive and this is attractive. And something happens. The dog gets a chain put on it, a lead put on it, and is taken away from that cell, from that cage, and suddenly is put into a vehicle. Now, again, the dog doesn't know what that means, but this is different. And there's clearly been some promise. There's clearly been hope given to the dog. And the dog is now on a journey and everything around it is new and is exciting. And the dog, for the first time it can remember, which obviously being a dog isn't very long, but never mind. The dog is excited and happy. That's the picture I want you to have in your mind as we listen to our reading from 1 Peter, which is given for us today by Vijay Joe. Today's reading is taken from the first book of Peter, chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, sir. So let's come into 1 Peter chapter 1 at verse 6, which in the New Living Translation says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. The NIV puts it this way. 
In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Well, let's take the second part of that verse a little bit later. This, in all this you greatly rejoice, or so be truly glad, refers back. What does it refer back to? Well, it refers back to the few verses beforehand, which we've looked at in the previous weeks uh, here at church. Listen to the sermons from last week uh, and before. And let's just pick this up. In all this you greatly rejoice. One of the things was new birth. You have been given new birth into a living hope. That's our dog in the car, isn't it? It's been given this new life and there is this hope of something even better to come. We've been given a priceless inheritance in heaven which cannot spoil. We've been shielded by God's power for now. And we have eternal salvation to look forward to. That's what we're looking back on. That's the in all this that makes us greatly rejoice. And don't you want to rejoice because you have a new living hope with a new birth? Don't you want to rejoice because you have a priceless inheritance in heaven that cannot be spoiled? Don't you want to rejoice that you're shielded by God's power now? Don't you want to rejoice because you have eternal salvation to look forward to? But there's the second part of that verse as well. But now we have all kinds of trials. I think this is an appropriate moment for us to listen to our gospel reading from the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And here's Linda Sweeting to bring it to us. Matthew chapter 5 verses 3 to 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Linda. So now we see what Jesus was saying in the Beatitudes, that you are blessed. The word blessed in the Greek is makar, but this isn't the word Jesus used. He used makarios, which is an extension of blessing. It's a very blessed. It's a God's blessing is all over you if you're poor in spirit, if you mourn. If you're merciful, if you're pure in heart, if you're meek and humble and do not lord it over others, if you long for righteousness, if you're a peacemaker, if you're persecuted, you are blessed. You are blessed. God's for you. God's on your side in all these things of life. And some of them well, you're longing for righteousness. You're not yet fully righteous, but you're longing for it. You're pure in heart. You're merciful. We can say, yeah, those sorts of people, we can understand that being a blessing. But mourning, being persecuted, yes, you are blessed. Why? Because of what's coming. 
So Jesus is saying that no matter what is going on now, God's blessing extends over you. You, He is with you now, but you may not actually sense it or feel it because you're being persecuted, because you're mourning. Life hasn't gone too well, but God is with you and the blessing The fullness of the blessing is the inheritance that is to come, which you are already a partaker in because he's already given it to you, but you haven't yet had it fully revealed. You are blessed in all these things. To go back to 1 Peter, you are blessed despite the trials of life you are currently going through because you have an inheritance to come. Because you remember you have new birth and a hope. You remember that God is for you. God is yours. You are his. You have an inheritance to come. That's the blessing. Let's go back to the dog in the car. Your tail's wagging. The car's moving. This is exciting. This is Oh, you can't imagine anything better, although you know somehow that you're going to something better. This is so great. And then something happens that you just cannot comprehend. The car stops moving. This isn't fun. What's going on? Come on, let's get going. But the car is stopped. The dog cannot understand why the car is stopped. It cannot understand that it is safer to be stopped than it would be to go at this moment. It cannot understand that there's a problem of life that just needs someone to deal with and then the car will go again. No, the car has stopped and this is not good. And the dog gets distressed because it hasn't got the continued sight of what is to come. It's lost sight of what is coming because this is too much like it was being trapped in a cage that wasn't moving. We need to remember that we are not a dog. We can remember what the promise is, even though, like the dog, we cannot fully understand God's language. We can't fully understand what God's saying, but we can pick up the spirit, the sense of the promise. We can pick up that this is a good thing he has for us, but we haven't reached it yet. We shouldn't be surprised about this, of course, because the New Testament is consistent that we will face trials. There are many verses throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament at least, which tells us this is the case, uh, from Paul's writing to Acts and many other places. What's The reason we face trials, well, our reading from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7 begins to tell us. These trials show that our faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests gold, but your faith is much more precious than mere gold. Jesus spoke about this, didn't he? He told the story of the wise and the foolish man. And the wise man built his house upon rock so that when the trials came, when the storms came, when the waves came, when the rain came to beat upon the house, the house on the rock 
stood firm. And that's the message that Peter is giving us here. I imagine he remembered Jesus' teaching about the wise and foolish men, that if we have our faith built on the rock of trusting in Jesus and in his words, when the trials come, and they must come, and they will come, we will be able to stand firm. What are those trials? Well, they will be persecution, but it's not just persecution. It will be things where you're going through life and you get hit by something which is out of the blue and unexpected, and suddenly, I don't know, you've lost your job, or there's a worldwide pandemic, or you are just simply sick, or someone you love is. These are the trials of life, and we are called to have faith in Jesus through those trials. And you know, many people get it wrong because they think that faith is to change the circumstances. That's not what faith is. Faith is to trust the one who is above the circumstances. Faith is to trust Jesus and that sense that he has said we are going I am taking you there is a, a room that I am preparing for you there is a an eternity with me we will get there that's what we have faith in we trust the one who has said there is a promised land. We trust the one who has said, we are going to a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the story back in the Old Testament, isn't it? That the Israelites were promised when they left Egypt that God would take them to a land flowing with milk and honey and boom, they're in a desert. Their faith wavers and indeed that whole generation don't get there because they stopped believing. They stopped trusting and they were left in the desert. It was the people of faith, namely Joshua and Caleb and those who accepted what they said, the next generation in fact, who made it through to the promised land because they trusted what God had said. And that's a picture that we will reach the promised land but it's not actually for us something we will physically walk into in this life. It's a promise of eternity. It's a promise of being with him in eternity. And our faith in the trials we have now enables us to trust the one who will take us into that better place. There's a great story in the Old Testament which illustrates faith. There are several, but the one I'm thinking of is in Daniel. And it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And you know it well. The king Nebuchadnezzar had said, anyone who does not bow and worship me is going to be thrown into the furnace. And three, these three chaps said, we're not going to do that. We worship God. And he said, well, then I'm going to throw you into the furnace. And they said, you can do that, O king. But know this, we will worship God who is able to deliver us from your hands and save us from death. But 
even if he does not do that, we will worship him. So they were completely sure that God had the power to save them from death. But they said, even if he doesn't do it, we will continue to worship him, which is actually one of the most extreme versions in the Old Testament of belief in life beyond the grave. We will continue to worship him if he doesn't save us from death. There are similar stories in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. Peter was saved from prison by a miraculous deliverance from angels. But you know, it's not always like that. Because Stephen was martyred and was being stoned to death as he said, I will continue to praise God. And Peter's great friend James, though Peter was rescued from prison, James was executed in prison. Peter's release advanced the kingdom. It brought glory to God. But do you know what? James's execution also advanced the kingdom and brought glory to God. It's never about you. It's never about me. It's about the kingdom of God and the glory of God. And we trust him to use us to bring great glory to his name and to advance the kingdom. Now, the dog in the car has no idea where it's going, but somehow it's trusting the driver of the car, its new owner. And the new owner knows where it's going and has that picture for it. And that's what God has for us. We have glimpses in the Bible of what it will be like, but we simply trust him that it is going to be almost beyond our imagination. Oh, it's a great, great morning, your first day in heaven when you stroll down the golden avenue. There are mansions left and right, and you thrill every side, and the saints are always smiling, saying, How do you do? Oh, it's a great, great morning, your first day in heaven when you realize your word and days are true. You'll be glad you were not idle, took time to read the Bible, it's a great morning for you. So verses 8 and 9, though we haven't seen him, we love him. Even though we don't see him now, we believe in him. We're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We are able to trust him, though we haven't seen him, because we believe in him. We're able to fix our eyes on him, and when we truly do that, we are filled with joy. We're receiving the end result of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Now, the New Testament talks about salvation in two ways. One, you receive it the moment you believe, and two, you are receiving it. That's what happens with the dog, isn't it? The moment the people walk into the rescue center and say, that's the dog we want, it is saved from the doom that was before it. But during the journey in the car, though it is saved, it is receiving all that is to come to it. Everything that is coming to it is getting closer on that journey. That journey is bringing it towards the fullness of what it has been saved for. It has already been saved from death and destruction. 
It is being saved for the great stuff that is to come. Now, I hope that helps us to understand as well that we are saved. I've heard many people say things like, I hope I'm good enough to go to heaven. Well, it's got nothing to do with you being good enough. Are you in the car? The dog was chosen and placed in the car. It's a rescue dog. I can imagine maybe it was frantic in the car. I can imagine possibly it puked in the car. I can imagine possibly it defecated in the car. Did that mean it wasn't going to get to the destination? No. The new owners would have said, ah, oh, poor dog, this is exactly what we expected. It's such a disturbed dog. We are going to love it more to bring it into the fullness of what we have planned for it. And that is exactly how God looks at us. When we mess up, he says, well, that's what I expected. They're rescue people. I came to rescue them. They are in a mess. I will love them more and help them to be transformed into what I want them to be. So you see, it's not about you ever. It's always about him. How we live our lives should be about him. But salvation is also about him. It's what he is giving us. Though we don't deserve it, though we mess up, if we're in the car, salvation is ours. So the only question really at the end of this is, have you ever got into that car? Have you ever said yes to Jesus? And if you know you have, then you are heading to that eternity which is promised. If you're not sure whether you have, or if you know you haven't but want to, then there's no better moment than right now simply to say, yeah, I want what you have for me. Jesus, take the